Welcome back to the Broncos Avenue Podcast. It's your host, Amir, with my co-host, Jordan. We got a very special guest today. We have Zach Seegers, Broncos beat writer from My High Sports, co-host of the Let's Talk Broncos podcast. Zach, it's super, we're super excited to have you on today, man. How are you, how are you doing? I'm thrilled to be on. I'm a, a big fan of your guys' work, too. I've followed you on Instagram for uh, years, honestly. And, uh, yeah, love y'all's work. Excited to talk some Broncos with you guys. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I've been following you on for uh, on Twitter for some some good time, and um, your training camp coverage and everything with the Broncos, I, I appreciate so much. Just because it's all so much in detail, and I really appreciate it. You know, um, all your work is awesome. Seriously, thank you very much. Yeah, trying my best. Yeah, so we're just gonna have you on today to talk about uh, you know lots of news with the Broncos recently. Obviously, the Nathaniel Hackett fired, D- Dwayne Stukes, Boochberry, special teams coordinator, offensive line coach gone. And obviously, all the Russ news. Um, I've seen you speak very strongly of your opinions on Russell Wilson and uh, you know how you want to move forward with him going in the future. But let's go ahead and start off with that Nathaniel Hackett fire, and um, you know obviously the press conference yesterday with CEO Greg Pen- uh, Penner and George Payton, the GM. Um, so first off, Nathaniel Hackett, how, how how did you react to that fire? I know obviously we all expected it to wait till kind of after week 18, but they went ahead and, you know, fired him after this disastrous loss to the Rams. What, what were your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little surprising. Again, you know, the, the sourcing was all pointing to uh, it, it happening at the end of the season, the, with the big argument being, well, what do you have to gain from moving on from him now? Um, and I, I think that's valid. I think you can just make the exact same argument about like, what's the point of keeping him? What are you going to gain from trotting out Nathaniel Hackett against the Chargers um, and uh, against the Chiefs? Um, he's <laughs> just, what does he bring to the table at this point yeah. is, is I think kind of what it's at. He's not calling the plays. He's not um, uh, uh, running the game. He's not in charge of game management anymore. It's like, what's he even doing? He even referred to himself this past week before he was fired as the senior offensive consultant. That's like Tom, Dom Capers position with the team. Like that's a stark demotion from head coach. Um, and he gave it to himself in that, uh, press conference. So I think, yeah, it was just time. Uh, the embarrassing nature of the loss played a factor. I think the fact that it was an embarrassment against the Cronkies, who of course are family members of the Penners, I think was yeah. a factor. And then I think all the extracurricular stuff with Dalton Reiser and Brett Rippon getting into it, with Randy Gregory um, getting that big fine and, and having that post-game altercation, um, I think those things were really the nail in the coffin. Okay, yeah, um, Zach, I'll go here. Um, just a question, you know, looking forward, who could you see being a head coach? You know, I, I follow you on Twitter too. You know, I kind of see that you've been kind of your. It looks like kind of leaning towards um Harbaugh. I'm seeing, you know, you kind of want Harbaugh here in Denver. Oh, sorry, I was muted there. Yeah, I think that's the best move. Um, I think it's a it's a pie in the sky though. Like, if mm-hmm. I was Jim Harbaugh, why would I leave Michigan for the Denver Broncos? He finally has Michigan in the position he's wanted it to be in. Um, He also, I imagine, has some sentimental connection. He's a Michigan guy, went there for school. Um, He's got Ohio State looking like the little brother right now. I imagine he wants to, like, savor that some. It it looks like he's building a consistent, you know, national championship contender. Is he really, or maybe not building, has built a consistent national championship contender. 
Um, why would he leave that for the Broncos? The Broncos can pay him a lot of money, but so can Michigan. The Broncos can give him a lot of roster control and power, but so can Michigan. Um, I think it'd be like him trying to prove he can do the NFL thing and that he feels like he's accomplished as much as he can at the college level. Um, and I don't feel very confident he'll come to that conclusion. I do think it's the dream solution, though. I think the big knock on Harbaugh is, well, he doesn't work as well in an NFL locker room as he does in a college locker room. In a college locker room, you're only working with guys for four or five years. And, you know, his his uh, personality might work with guys for that period of time. But if you're looking at six, seven years, it becomes very grating. That's a good problem to have. 12 out of the 32 NFL head coaches have been with their teams for four years. If the Jim Harbaugh problems start after four years, he's already in the top third of NFL head coaches. Like that is a very uh, good problem to have, especially for a team that I think just needs to start heading in the right direction and rebuilding. John Fox wasn't the head coach that won them a Super Bowl, but he was the head coach that started getting things moving in the right direction. And, you know, mm -hmm. he did have a hard ceiling. And when the time came right, they moved off him and found the guy who was right to win him a Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think Jim Harbaugh is the ideal, uh, guy, great background on defense and on offense, um, looking at his resume. Uh, and then, um, I think a more realistic option that I would really like is Frank Reich. If we're talking yeah. realism, Dan Quinn, I like a lot. I think he's a player's guy, but he's going to mess with the defense. And I just, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see this defense kept intact as much as possible. Um, and so I would look at, uh, you know, Frank Reich, who I don't think is the sexiest name, maybe looking at it from Denver, yeah. but he took Philip Rivers and got the most out of him at the end of his career. He took Carson Wentz and got the most out of Carson Like, look at Carson Wentz's last season in Philadelphia and this season in Washington, and then compare it to the Frank Reich year. It's exactly. darkly different. And Wentz still melted down at the end, and that team still mess missed the playoffs as a result. But that wasn't Frank Reich's fault. Um, I think the problems with this, the Colts this year are more roster based. And that was a Chris Ballard thing, not a Frank Reich thing. I think Frank Reich has shown um, incredible offensive flexibility um, and uh, yeah, just an ability to consistently maximize limited quarterbacks. And I think that's kind of the position the Broncos are in right now. I would also be very excited to see what Frank Reich could maybe do with a young guy if you know, you're drafting a quarterback in a few years here. I, I think he'd be a great coach to to mold a young quarterback. And unfortunately, he hasn't gotten the opportunity to do that. Another one that's a little more realistic, kind of in between the two, I think it's unlikely because he'd be a first-time guy. And I think the Broncos probably don't go that route, though they could, is Shane Steichen. Um, I'm not sure if it's Steichen or yeah. Steichen. I've heard it pronounced either way. Um, but Shane Steichen looks legit to me. The number one thing I'd be prioritizing in my head coach hires is when you are presented with a new problem, are you able to solve it? How do you go about solving it? And I think what the Eagles staff has done in terms of being so quick to solve new problems, so flexible and, and creative in the different avenues they take to find those solutions um, and being open to just delegate responsibilities uh, for the betterment of the team are all things I'd really value. And I think all things that uh, uh, Steichen possesses. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, the whole Frank Reich thing, it just seems like there's no other candidate that really fits like what we really need here in Denver. 
I mean, you're talking. I heard Greg Penner talking a lot about, you know, we need someone like a complete candidate, someone who could really oversee all three phases. And it seems like he's almost the best fit for that. And then obviously we have a really, really, uh, you know, kind of sticky situation right now with Russell Wilson, where we need someone to step in right away and kind of, you know, resurge his career because, I'm not too sure if some if guys like you know we've seen uh, Shane Steichen he's very responsible for Jalen Hurts and his um you know kind of upbringing in the NFL that you know obviously young guy but if you're talking about someone like you just like you said you know someone who can really help uh, maximize veterans uh, veteran quarterbacks especially um, Frank Reich is the guy so that's right now that's my number one um, you know it almost feels too good to be true especially with Dan Quinn too. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about recently after uh, this press conference with Greg Penner, how, you know, him kind of, you know, being the lead in the uh, head coach search now, how it kind of feels like it's uh, kind of, you know, the percentage of Dan Quinn becoming the next head coach kind of, you know, took a drop essentially, um, you know, just because if you were if you were going to take over as the guy to, you know, be the ultimate decision maker in this next head, head coach, why would you just end up going with, you know, someone that George Payne would go with anyways? I mean, maybe it, it is a group effort after all, but it feels like after watching a press conference, this is what I want to kind of tie this into. How did you feel? I kind of was reading the body language a bit and it really felt like, you know, George Payne kind of, you know, got little, little broad in a sense where he had to kind of step down and it really feels like Greg Penner is the top dog now, you know, with this franchise. Um, it seems like this, this whole front office is going in a whole new direction. Um, you know, I, I, and you know, I expect this to still be a group effort, but it really feels like uh, Greg Penner is still going to be, you know, the ultimate decision maker moving forward. Yeah, and I think how you feel about that um, is, you know, coming down to one of two things. In the immediate, I think it's good. Um, I think it's good that ownership is taking that power from Peyton um, because you don't want Peyton compounding his mistakes to try and prove himself right with this rust thing. Generally speaking, what is best for the general manager and what is best for the team align? That is generally the case, but it's not always the case. One example uh, is probably right when George Peyton was hired, he decided to run it back with Drew Locke and Vic Fangio. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it made sense for him because it meant he wasn't going to face any scrutiny on uh, the quarterback decision or the coach decision for a year. He'd get a redshirt year effectively, but it would hurt the team because you're wasting a year. Um, and, and then you see him finally make that coach and quarterback decisions and it goes horribly. So I think he's already demonstrated um, with that. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word. Audition. With that audition, he kind of um, demonstrated he's willing to do what's best for George Payton and not what's best for the Denver Broncos when those two things don't align. Um, and I don't blame him for that. We all do what's best for us, I think, generally. Um, if yeah. you know, you're know you doing what's best for those around you, I think it's an admirable quality and it's selfless. But let's be real, humans are selfish often. So I, I don't like because the pushback I always get on that is, well, what do you expect him to do? Of course, he wants to keep his job. And absolutely. But as Broncos fans, what you want from George Payton isn't for him to just perpetuate his own existence. You want him to build a winning football team. Um, and if those two things aren't aligned and he's prioritizing perpetuating his own existence, um, that's a problem. Uh, so taking the power out of his hands here, I think is good. Um, your point on Dan Quinn is dead on. I think it could very well end up being Dan Quinn, but yeah. George Payton has wanted to make Dan Quinn his head coach since 2015. If he was the final decision maker and his back's up against the wall, 
I feel very confident he would have gone with the safe answer, which to me is Dan Quinn, the guy he's most familiar with, the guy he's always wanted to be his head coach, quote unquote, his guy. Um, now that that's not um, the way things are trending, or, or now that uh, uh, Penner's the one in control, it opens up everything. And I think that's good. The Broncos should look everywhere for answers. They should look at first-time head coaches as well as retreads because there's not a clear correlation between first-time guys or retreads being the right solution at head coach. It's about hiring the right guy, not about whether or not they've been fired as a head coach before. That's unimportant to the conversation. Um, and yeah, like Dan Quinn, it shouldn't just be a zero in on Dan Quinn. You should give everyone a fair shot. And I think Penner's going to do that. So I think it's good. If it's a 20 year trend where Penner is meddling in every major football decision, what are we doing at coach? What are we doing at quarterback? What are we doing at GM? Then you're in a Jerry Jones nightmare. And I think that's very problematic. So hopefully it's just a small sample. Okay, um, you know, moving towards, you know, the quarterback, the quarterback position, you know, um, <laughs> seems like you kind of are on the train of, you know, getting Russ out of here. I just want to know, you know, a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you for teeing me up on it. Um, <laughs> I, I love spreading the, uh, the good news to Broncos country. And that good news is this. You can totally move off of Russell Wilson this offseason. Now, if, if you're a Russell Wilson believer, you think he can return to being a top 10 quarterback, and not only do you believe he can, but you believe it's likely he will with better coaching, maybe a little better offensive line and everything, so be it. Like, I think that's a, a valid evaluation, even if I disagree with it. However, there is no debating that it is very possible for the Denver Broncos. The hardest pill to swallow would be cutting Ronald Darby, who is a 29-year-old corner Coming off an ACL tear, a 29-year-old cornerback is already getting up there. You factor in the ACL mm -hmm. tear, that's concerning. And then you factor in that you have a cheap replacement already looking really good in Damari Mathis, who you probably don't want to bench next season. And moving on from Ronald Darby, all of a sudden it doesn't seem that painful. Um, maybe it's not your uh, ideal situation, but it's not like uh, uh, an impossible hurdle. Um, it's very manageable. Graham Glasgow is going to be cut. You know, he, cutting him frees up $14 million. I think he's a fine offensive lineman. I think the Broncos could cut him and re-sign him to a cheaper deal. They're not keeping him at that $14 million cap hit. Zero percent chance. Chase Edmonds, $6 million cap hit. Same thing. That ain't that ain't happening. Actually, I think his might be like eight. His might be bigger. Jacob yeah, he's Martin, up, he's up there. Uh, four, $6 million cap hit. He's somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, he might come back, but they got him for a sixth round draft pick. I think this is an easy way to free up cap. Alberto, Ojemudia, Cushionberry, uh, OJ's already gone. Alberto and Cushionberry probably up next. They won't even be activated for game days um, at this point. Uh, and then Brandon McManus, who has been very overpaid and a disappointing kicker. And then you have to ask some players like Cortland Sutton um, and Justin Simmons to restructure. And a lot of people go, well, why would these guys restructure? They already took a below market deal. All restructuring in the way – there's other ways to restructure. I'm talking about a max restructure, which takes salary money that a player is set to earn at some point in the future and turns it into signing bonus money. And as a result of doing that, takes money that the player is set to earn but hasn't earned yet – money they could potentially lose if they're cut or they suffer an injury, et cetera. It takes that money and it puts it in their pocket today. And I think we could all like put yourself in Cortland Sutton's shoes. 
if the Denver Broncos come to you and go, hey, those $10 million that you're set to earn, or here's $10 million, million you're set to earn over the next four years, put it in your pocket today. And at those lump sums, you can invest it and make way, 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 way more money. It's just, it's not a hard pill for these players to swallow. Uh, swallow. Um, so I, I don't get that pushback. Um, and so once it's really positive, or once you realize it's very possible, I think the argument is why not? The only thing that another running it back with Russell Wilson gets you is the gamble that he could look like a top 10 quarterback again, which I think when you look at that Rams game, look at the three interceptions there. That's not the product of his weapons. That's not the product of the coaching staff. That's not the product of his line. That's the product of Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, is that gamble really worth it when what you're costing yourself is you're going to be handcuffing your rebuild. Whenever you move on from Russell Wilson, you're going to be financially tied to him for two more seasons, just because the dead money hit is that big and it sucks. But so you could move off him right now and you're just going to have two financially painful seasons, or you could move off of him after 2023 and have three financially painful seasons. The problem with letting that cap hit fester until 2025 is that it's going to limit that next rookie quarterback Broncos fans, no matter when they think this team should cut Russ should be circling the 2024 draft as when this team maybe targets their next quarterback of the future. You got Caleb Williams, you got Drake may Quinn Ewers, lots of guys, and it'll probably line up with when the Broncos are moving off Russell Wilson and have a high pick in the draft. If yeah. you draft, let's say you draft Caleb Williams and keep, sorry, I know I'm ranting here. I'm almost done. If you keep, if you draft Caleb Williams and uh, uh, let's say you have moved on from Russell Wilson this year, his first year, Caleb Williams is saddled with a gross Russell Wilson cap hit. And that kind of sucks. But right after his rookie year, right after you've seen him in whatever off- offensive system he's in and you've had the chance to evaluate him, oh, he needs a speed receiver. Or maybe we're going to speed receivers. He needs a really reliable tight end. He needs a better right tackle. You know, evaluate him in the system. And then you have $55 million in Russell Wilson money come off the books. You will be projected to have over $120 million in cap space. You can surround Caleb Williams or whoever that quarterback is with all the talent in the world. Also, with that $120 million, you can start re-signing the 2021 draft class who will all be up for new contracts. If you want to keep Baron Browning around, if you want to keep Caden Stearns around, if you want to keep Quinn Miners around, if Javante Williams returns to, for, returns to form and you want to keep mm-hmm. him around, you'll need a lot of money to do that. Cutting Russ frees that up in the exact season when you will need that money. So that's another reason why it lines up well. If you wait a year with Russ, all of a sudden you don't have that $55 million for Quinn Miners. You don't have that $55 million for Baron Browning. You don't have that $55 million for Patrick Sertan. You don't have that $55 million for Caden Stearns. And you don't have that $55 million to surround Caleb Williams or whoever with awesome offensive talent. There's a serious opportunity cost to being passive on the rusting. The Broncos got aggressive. I'll go. Um, I mean, I, I think that um, I think Russ will bounce back. I mean, you looked a lot into the future, which is kind of crazy. That was really cool to hear that. You know, you got the books mapped out and everything. You know, we do move on from Russ, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the right move because I just think that even if you do free up that cap and you some, I mean, it's just a long shot. Um, 
But I will say, I, I think that Russ will bounce back next year with a better head coach and a better system. I obviously think that we need to surround more vets on both sides of the ball to help the team. But I don't think that moving off from Russ is the best thing. What about you? Well, and my thing there is – sorry, I don't know if he was asking you, Amir. I, I, no, you're, you're fine. You're fine, man. I'm, um, I'm really interested in this. I just – I – like – when you look at the mistake and, and things are bad around Russ, I think he can get better, but like so many of his mistakes this year, like missing KJ Hamler wide open against the Colts, right? Like that's a very visible, obvious example or missing Greg Dulcich the next week against the chargers when he's wide open sitting there for the first down, like Nathaniel Hackett, isn't telling him before the play, Hey, Greg Dulcich is going to be wide open to you for a first down. I want you to not throw him the ball. Right. Like Nathaniel Hackett's bad. I don't think he's that bad. Um, and, and on those plays, he's well protected and the receivers are wide open. So it's not a talent deficiency problem in what's surrounding him. That's just Russ ha having an opportunity to make a play and failing to do so. And I think that's happened at too high a rate this year to justify his contract. Now, why is that happening? Why are we seeing this sudden decline from him? I think it actually goes back to 2020 when you saw defenses start to adjust to how they need to defend Mahomes and Allen and Herbert and the Burrow and these quarterbacks of our time, which is with these two high shells. Um, so early in 2020, before that was really adopted, he's having the most productive season of his entire career. And then around mid season, that defensive adaption starts happening. And ever since his numbers have been like in 2021 would, would be the best he's looked since then. And he was, you know, the 13th best quarterback then. Um, the reason it's a problem with these two high shells is the two high shells force you to operate um, quick game. They force you to work in the short to intermediate area of the field. And Russell Wilson's whole career, that has been the biggest hole in his game. Struggles to work the short to intermediate area of the field because one, he doesn't have a very fast processor. He's always held the ball for a very long time. And two, he struggles to see over and around his offensive linemen. Now, both those problems used to be mitigated in the past with being like the best play extender in NFL history. He could just scramble forever back there. And as a result, could change his throwing lanes, could change his vision around where the offensive line is. You know, if you're just stationary behind the pocket, your vision of the offensive line is one thing. But if you're running around, you're having all sorts of different angles and you can exploit that middle section of the field all of a sudden. The other thing is it uh, uh, negates the slow processor because you're just back there. You're able to hold on to the ball forever because you're able to evade the pass rush. Now that he's not able to evade the pass rush and change those throwing lanes and the defense is forcing him to play within that box he's unable to play in, that I think is the reason you're seeing this massive decline. And this whole, and it's not something that Russ is unaware of. It's the reason why this whole season was about Russ becoming more of a pocket passer. He knew he had to be a pocket passer to be successful with the way defenses are trending and with his declining abilities. And it was a disaster. I think he demonstrated he cannot be a pocket passer. And so I think you can go back to, to maximizing Russ into the best version of Russ. And I think you can get fine to good quarterback play out of him. I think you could get in a best case scenario, Kirk cousins ish quarterbacking where it's very reliant on what is around him, a strong running game, a good offensive line, good weapons, really good coaching. Um, 
but when those things start to break down, he, he can't elevate the, the the talent around him. And I think that's kind of where he is. And that type of quarterback eating up, you know, 15, 16, I think it's 18% of the salary cap um, is a competitive disadvantage. And so that's why I'd look to move on from that. Dude, those are some really, really good points. Very interesting perspectives. I mean, you you just look at it when you t- he's kind of you know declining in his athleticism, and that really brings you to question like, you know, that kind of is taking away all of his you know positive assets of his game. That's what makes Russell Wilson Russell Wilson. And now that it's like we might have to you know like you said focus on rebuilding a great offensive line, you know, getting you know. Uh, another guy to pair with Javante Williams to establish a good running game. And then obviously looking to add more to the receiving core just to make Russell Wilson average at best, like Kirk Cousins at best. It's like, is he really worth the contract at that point? Could you just move on from him and find, you know, another quarterback option that would be, you know, if not the same, you know, caliber play as he, as he could be. So that's just, that's just crazy to think. I've been telling people um, and referring to your tweet a lot about, you know, cutting these guys and restructuring the veterans that we, you know, we extended. And, you know, it is a possibility to get rid of them this offseason. And everybody's like, no, you're crazy. We, we signed, a, you know, a long-term, a long-term extension, you know, five-year, $245 million. It's nearly impossible to get rid of them. We have all this dead cat money. It is possible. It's going to take a lot, and it sounds – you know, crazy in hindsight, but you can move on from him. It's going to, you know, obviously hurt you with, like you said, the next two years, I believe he has like 107 million piling up. Um, it's a lot, a lot of money, um, but it is, it is possible. I think those are some really, really good points. Um, I personally, I still want to, and you know, you made a really, another really good point. Like if we were to, you know, keep him this season or this upcoming season, it's like you're, it's going to hurt you for the next two seasons after that. So it might be better to just, like you said, rip off the band aid, um, you know, this off season. But man, it's crazy because I'm personally a big believer in Russ. I think he can turn it around. But like you said, it's, it's like at this point, would you rather just get rid of his, get rid of him altogether, and find somebody that can play nearly up to his standard, if not surprise you and play better, and you know someone who could even be younger. So that, yeah, that's crazy. We could potentially, I, I don't like tanking. I obviously want to see these Broncos win, but man, to to go get Caleb Williams in the 2024 draft would be absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, those I are some crazy. Think... Sorry. Um, but thank you very much for the kind words. I don't think it has to be a tank job either. Like the Broncos, it could just be a rebuild, you know? And I think by the process of rebuilding, you're kind of going to be bad maybe for a season or two. Um, by the fact that you're taking on those massive dead cap hits, you're going to be bad for a season or two. And uh, before that 107 million number scares Broncos country, there's no world where you're not paying Russell Wilson $107 million. Um, the conversation is, one, do you want to pay Russell Wilson more than $107 million? If the answer is no, you have to move on from him before the fifth day of the 2024 league year. Um, then it jumps to in the 130s. Um, and then the other question is, how long do you want to be paying Russell Wilson? Because my thing is painful. It does take that 107 and jam it into two years. But the benefit of that is freeing up the $55 million in 2025 that I talked about. If you spread it out over three, it is a uh, you're taking smaller bites of the apple every season, and so it is it's more manageable. Um, but there's uh, an opportunity cost associated with that, and that opportunity cost is um, 
damaging your rebuild. Okay, so if we've already accepted that we want to move off from Russ in the near future, whether it be after this season or after next season, um, why do I want to take the option that's damaging my future rebuild? You know, now if you are of the opinion that Russell Wilson can be a good quarterback um, and, you know, he can return to form there. Again, I disagree with that evaluation. I think it's a fair one, though. Um, then I, I get it because you're not looking at moving off of Russell Wilson after next season. You're looking at keeping him long term. Um, if you're looking at moving off of Russell Wilson at any point in the near future right now, I really think is the most sensible time to do so. Yeah, and that's like after this Rams game, it really, it really kind of changed my view. I'm not gonna lie. It's like, how can you watch this Rams game and really be confident in Russell Wilson's efforts in the future? I know the the various injuries. You know, obviously he's played uh, a factor into that. Um, coaching awful, not the best. You know, fit between him and Hackett. Um, it's, it felt like as of late they weren't really in sync. And then obviously you can't put too much on that because what really was Hackett doing? Um. But, you know, I do believe with the right coaching staff, he can be, you know, vastly improved. But like we keep saying here, it's like, can he really get back to that elite status? And obviously with him getting older, it's like, can he still be this escape artist? Can he still be this guy? And like you said, a really good point early on. I've really reiterated this. He can barely see over the offensive line at times. That Bobby Wagner pick was literally solely on him not being able to see over the offensive line. That that itself is just very terrifying. I would love a you know really you know um, a quarterback with great size to operate this offense. Obviously, Peyton Manning days was great to see you know someone who could really see the field well. Um, but it just feels like the, the athleticism side of the Russell Wilson is just really tanked. Um, obviously, Jordan, I know you're uh, someone who really feels like uh, Russell Wilson can completely flip flop his uh, um, his career in a sense. How how do you think he can you know avoid these um, kind of you know situations that he's we really seen him regress from? Well, to start off, um, I don't think that, you know, moving off from him and going to another quarterback fit is really the best option. I mean, because, you know, if we go the draft way, then it has he has to come in in a good, you know, position, has to be a good fit and just so many of these things. And I, I, I just don't think, you know, you look in the past, all the guys we've had, we tried the draft route, we tried going to bridge quarterback and trying to build around. We tried so many different things and it just hasn't worked. So, you know, that being said, I think you kind of have to stick with him. I, mean, I don't think there's a guy you're going to get that's just going to come in and be better than Russ. I mean, it is a down year. It's been a, a horrible year for him. And I agree. The Colts and the Rams game, I put that on him. Um, and it's a lot of times where he's just missed guys wide open. And it has a lot to do with him, you know, his him seeing over the line and his reads and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I just think we you got to keep him because – it's going to be so hard to replace. And, you know, uh, Zach kind of talked about the whole, re, you know, the rebuild thing, you know, how much more can you rebuild? I mean, you know, you, you got the 2021 draft class, this past draft class. I mean, we've done a great job. You know, we rebuilt the entire receiver receiving core, the cornerback room, you know, we're going young in safety, going young at D line, you know, Bradley Chubb is gone. Um, so you kind of moving in a new direction there. It just, it just seems like more of a reloading thing than, you know, want to train into the rebuilding phase i just think you know you don't have that much money to reload but i think you know drafting who you can and signing vets is kind of the way to move from here getting the right guy to help russ because i do believe he could flip it around i don't think moving off from him is just the best thing you can do moving forward yeah and i think you hit on a couple of things that i are things i really want to hit on um number one uh uh, the Broncos, because uh, it's arguments I've heard from a lot of people that don't want to move off of Russ, and I think they're reasonable, but 
The Broncos actually haven't tried, in my opinion, drafting a quarterback in their entire franchise's history. Because to me, drafting a quarterback is drafting one in the top 10, because that's where you find legit franchise quarterbacks. The, the late first round, early second round, where the Broncos will be picking this year, unfortunately, is a bit of a, a graveyard for both quarterbacks and tackles, because you're getting these guys that aren't really viewed as legit first round prospects, but they're also like, they've got a thing here or there that's really appealing. And it's kind of these tweener prospects that fall into that range. And I think the the hit rate's pretty die there. Um, but, you know, and that's Paxton Lynch falls in that bucket. Drew Locke falls into that bucket. Um, where they were really talented guys, but they had some big questions. Oh, Drew Locke's really talented, but he hasn't shown any development from his freshman season. Will he be able to develop in the NFL? Um, uh, Paxton Lynch, super talented, but his coaches say he's not super committed to the playbook and to the X's and O's. You know, that's how you fall in that, I think, 20 to 40 range or so. Um, they've never drafted a quarterback in the top 10. The only time they've acquired a quarterback in the top 10 was when they traded for John Elway. And that was the best move this franchise has ever made. Um, okay. If you look at the AFC playoff picture, um, every single playoff team, except for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, drafted their quarterback in the top 10. Um, all of them were drafted by the team they're currently playing for. All of them drafted in the first round. And Lamar Jackson wasn't drafted in the top 10 because the NFL had an antiquated view of the quarterback position. I think if you were to take Lamar Jackson as a prospect and put him in this year's draft, he's a top 10 pick without question. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's where you got to go to get these guys now. You look at the NFC playoff picture, and it's a little more jumbled, but it's also quarterbacks you don't feel as good about. Um, Jalen Hurts is uh, you actually do feel good about, but Kirk Cousins outside that range don't feel great about him. Brock Purdy or Jimmy Garoppolo outside that range don't feel great about those guys as like the difference making franchise quarterbacks. Um, Dak another exception, Brady another exception, um, Daniel Jones uh, not that guy also a bad top ten pick. Can't believe the Giants did that. Um, <laughs> but I think. Now, drafting a quarterback, Daniel Jones is a great example of this. Drafting a quarterback in the top 10 doesn't guarantee success at the quarterback position, but I think it's almost definitely a requisite for it. Um, very few teams have found success at the quarterback position without drafting one in the top 10. And the Broncos miraculously are one of those few teams with how they lucked into Peyton Manning, how they've traded for John Elway. But over the course of NFL history, the proven way is taking a guy in the top 10 picks of the draft. The Denver Broncos have never done that, and I think they should. As for the – man, Broncos country is tired of this. We all are. I've had to work with it on the professional end and be very close to this team. I'm fucking sick and tired of it. All I want is to coach a good football team. That's all I want in this world. Or not coach, cover. Sorry. <laughs> all I want in this world – I'm tired. All I want in this world is to cover and all the coaching talk and everything is to cover a good football team. But, and also the thing I've been pitching, I've been pitching it so hard because I think it's their fastest path to being a good football team. Um, and I also think they haven't done a, a true rebuild since, I don't know how long, maybe the McDaniels era when he was trading guys off, but you could even argue whether or not that's a true rebuild. You could go back to like the pre-Shanahan era, like, early nineties is the last time the Denver Broncos truly like rebuilt their roster. What they've done is a lot of reloading and a lot mm -hmm. of lying to the fan base about where they are. 
After 2015, it was, hey, guys, no problem. This defense is ready to win another Super Bowl. Unfortunately, that was a lie. It was a really good defense. It was not a defense good enough to carry a Trevor Simeon to the Super Bowl. That was unfortunately a lie. Um, hey, guys, Paxton Lynch is our heir apparent at quarterback. That was a lie. Hey, guys, Brock Osweiler is our heir apparent at quarterback. That was a lie. Joe Flacco is just now entering his prime. That was a lie. They were lying to themselves about where they were as a franchise, and that's the reason they stayed on this car wheel. Hey, Drew Locke's going to be it this season. Keep staying on the hamster wheel. What they haven't done is be real about where they are. Go, this is really fucking bad. Right? Sorry, I've sworn a couple of times. I'm not sure if I'm You're supposed fine, to swear. I'll clean good. it up. Uh, this is really, really bad. And we've got we've got to tear it down and start building it back up from scratch. And I think part of the reason why is again that 2021 class. That 21 class is so exciting. It's very similar to the 2017 Saints class that saw them bring in an all-star corner, an awesome running back, a great offensive lineman from Wisconsin, a really good starting safety, um, and a day three pass rusher who was a valuable rotational player and eventually a starter for them. Almost identical to the Denver Broncos class. It took them from being a seven and nine team for three years straight to being a yearly Super Bowl contender. That's what that type of draft can do for you if you're in the right position to take advantage of it. Right now, the Denver Broncos aren't in the right position to take advantage of it. And the only way I believe they can gear up and be ready to take advantage of it is if they own their mistake right now, right now, because then you can get all the toxicity out of the building by the time while having that 2021 draft class still on the cheap. Those are yeah, really, really good points. I feel like this this fan or this front office, even though we've had different guys in and out, um, it feels like since that Super Bowl year, it's just been kind of like we're gonna rely on this defense and not have to focus too much on getting our franchise guy. And I know we have always, like you said, I've always haven't been in the, the position in the draft to get those guys. But it, it, I mean, it feels like we haven't really tried to trade up or anything, or you know. But it, like like we said, like rebuilding, we have we have just completely refused and been stubborn to do that. It feels like this franchise just really um, kind of goes approaches the offseason thinking that they're a better team than they really are, and that they're closer to this championship level than they really are when they really aren't. And they need, need to focus on you know going even if it's a harder path, going in a more difficult path to you know go through a rebuild to finding your franchise guy because this is a quarterback driven league you're not gonna i know champion the defense wins championships but it's all who's gonna get you down to the championship it's gonna be it's gonna be your quarterback and obviously you need a great you know defense offensive line but i i think you're just you're hitting it right you're hitting it right on the nail i mean those are really good points um it, we essentially have to look in the mirror at some point and realize, you know, where this franchise is at seven years since we haven't uh, made the playoffs. That's absolutely horrible. This this uh, organization thinks that there's still this, you know, championship, you know, esque team. Um, and, you know, obviously they, you know, in the back of their heads, they they know that they aren't. But like you said, they just keep lining the fan base and refusing to go through, um, you know, a rebuild and fixing this team for the long term, which we really need to focus on because the short term fixes simply aren't going to cut it for this franchise. 
Um, yeah, what I'll say is I think that, um, you know, over the past few years, you know, all the, you know, Zach brought up the lying and everything like that, you know, lying to the fan bases and believing in Joe Flacco, guys like Case Keenum. You know, I think a lot of that, you know, and not having a culture change was also due to not having an owner. You know, Pat Bowen had passed away. So there was really no one kind of it was just John Elway and Joe Ellis. And, you know, once John John Elway kind of fell off, you know, the wagon a little bit there running his job, they they finally brought in a guy in George Payton who's trying to bring in guys that was won Super Bowls. And this mm-hmm. year it was just kind of a fail. But I think, you know, looking over in the past, um, I'm not going to put it all on, you know, I'll say past coaching staffs in terms of like bringing in the quarterbacks and the talent, you know, that we've tried to bring in. But, I mean, because it's like with John Elway, you know, he goes and says, you know, well, we don't want to have another Shanahan. And then you hire Vance Joseph. And then you kind of looking back on it and you're like, well, we should have hired Kyle Shanahan. Then you move on and it's like, nah, I'm going to run general manager. I'm going to be the guy that makes all the roster decisions, bringing in quarterbacks. And then you pass on John Lynch and now you got everything that's going on in San Francisco. I just think I just think from there it's just it's really tough because – like you said, the organization, it's just been lying to themselves, lying to them. And then looking towards the future, we got Penner and we got a, a ownership that's committed to changing the culture, that's going to bring in new talent. I just don't think moving on from Russ and ripping off the Band-Aid now is the best decision because then it's just going to lead to a whole bunch of new things. Guys are going to be unhappy with it. Then, I mean, like you said, the like you said, the draft class, <laughs> the draft class is going to be a big thing to pay off. Now, I'm not going to say everybody is going to be mad about it, but I'm saying guys who are trying to win now, you know, a lot of them might try to move on, and that's going to be tough. But I do think moving on from Russ, looking into the 2021 draft class, you do got to pay a lot of those guys because that draft class is just remarkable. You're going to have to pay them. It's just, it's just tough right now. It's really tough, and and. You're right. Some guys will probably be, or not probably. I I know some guys would be upset when they see Broncos cut Russell Wilson. Not so much because oh, I love Russell Wilson, not him, but um, uh, you know about what it says about the state of the franchise. And I don't even think it'd be like oh, now Russ is gone. How can we win? But just oh wow, they're blowing this thing up. This is no longer a win now spot, and that would hurt them. I I can't deny that. I think keeping Russ hurts them quite a bit too on the locker room front. Um, People are sick and tired of it. I think people were annoyed when he came in and was given special treatments that uh, valuable contributors to the Denver Broncos um, that have played for this team for a lot longer than zero games um, weren't given. And Russell Wilson was given those special treatments upon his arrival. So I think that ruffled some feathers, but it's okay because this guy's going to make us win games and, you know, he's going to make everything good. He's going to boost my stats and it's all cool. (laughs) And it's gone the exact opposite way. He's tanked everyone's stats, therefore hurting their ability to make uh, future money. Um, And I think it's a very frustrating situation. I also don't think he's the best at like locker room camaraderie which I don't think matters a lot if you're winning games and you're, you know, bringing a lot to the table. But I think in Russell Wilson's position, I, I do think it's pretty um, tough. Like I'd say that the thing that would worry me about cutting Russ is losing a guy like Draymond Jones, who's hitting free agency this year and goes, why am I sticking around here? I'm going to go to the highest bidder that is a contender and I'm going to try and win some football games. 
there is a very good chance they lose Draymond Jones if they keep Russell Wilson. So I don't, to me, that's not moving the needle much in either direction. Um, Garrett Bowles might be a name you're forced to move on from. Garrett yeah. Bowles is a 31-year-old offensive tackle coming off a broken leg. I'm not necessarily looking to get rid of him, but I also like that's not the biggest impediment to me making a move. And you look at like the offense now. I think the defense, I, I had it well sourced that the defense has been upset with Russell Wilson for a while. How would it the fact that the fact that now we're seeing the offense with Cortland Sutton jumping up and down and Dalton Reisner's yeah. fight and like they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I would be, I don't know. I, I frankly, I don't think Russell Wilson can win this locker room back unless things start off on a tear next season. Like if they come out the gate, you know, five and two or something like that, I think, you know, some people might get warmed back up to the idea, but even then I worry about the fact that, in Seattle, it was a huge problem that, you know, the team was winning games, but Russ was getting the credit. How do you think these guys would feel if this whole offseason, let's say they keep Russ, right? What this offseason will revolve around is surrounding Russ with talent so that you can win now. Okay. So let's say you do that. You add all these offensive pieces and the draft and free agency, and they're good pieces too. They make Russ look a lot better and Russ returns a little to form and the coaching's better. Just Everything's so much better around him. And as a result, you get the good Russell Wilson. And then Russell Wilson gets all the credit for winning. How do you think all those pieces that just came around Russell Wilson to support him and help lead this team to victory will feel about that? Because we already have a case study in it and they despise the man for some reason. I'm really surprised by how much the Seahawks players dislike him. But I think we're at a point now where even the positive end might kind of wind up being a little uh, messy in the locker room. Now th that's a good problem to have if you're winning games and the problem is everyone wants credit for winning games. Great problem to have, but I do think it's a potential problem. Those some really, yeah, really interesting points. I mean, you talk about the Cortland sun jumping up and down the sideline. Um, people were saying if it was whether he wanted to, wanted Russ to take that running lane or he wanted him to throw the ball to him simply on that little uh, dig or comeback route. Um, I mean, you're sitting pretty wide open. The big guy like him probably would have made the catch or could have picked up like 15-ish yards. I mean, and he throws it in a double coverage to Jalen Ramsey. And it's like, that's it's not what we're paying you to do, man. You know, especially this late in the season, you got to take the, you know, safer play there. But yeah, it it just makes me think like, what if they do keep Russell Wilson and they approach Cortland Sun about a contract restructure? Imagine Cortland Sun's reaction to that after the all the body language we've seen this offseason i mean that you talk about you know before going up to the season him working out with russell wilson you know the passing drills at his house or whatever um you know uh in his little football field you know they were getting along from at least what we could see in the media standpoint and then you just go through the season they really see the russell wilson that you know you know we kind of know russell wilson to be and it's just like you make a great point. These players, are they really going to be happy with staying in Denver if we do keep Russell Wilson here long term? Um, it's very hard to make that judgment because we've seen players come out like Dalton Reisner, other guys say like, you know, all the you know media reports and stuff is BS about Russell Wilson. But then you got guys like I hear Albright saying that there's guys in the locker room that give him the side eye and stuff. 
So it's really interesting. I, I really truly wonder how the whole rock locker room as a whole would feel if we were to move on from Russell Wilson after just one year. Um, I, I do agree with Jordan. There probably would be got some guys pissed off because they're like, what am I even doing here if we're about to go through a whole new reset that could potentially take us two more years to get back to even in playoff contention? So, yeah, it's uh, really interesting to think about. I mean, I, yeah, I there's some think, big drawbacks. Sorry. No, nah, I was going to say, I, mean, I was going to say it's, it's one year. I mean, of course, I mean, but I would say, you know, was that kind of say, you know, when, you know, we do start winning, they're going to give Russ all the credit. I mean, they do that to almost any NFL quarterback. I mean, receivers are pissed about that almost everywhere in the league. But I was, I mean, I don't just, I don't think it's that smart to just rip, 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 rip this bandaid off. I mean, I just don't think it's the right thing to do. I think that. Draymond Jones is more likely to stay if we keep Russ than to move him on. I think so. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think there's no guy we can bring in right now that can help us win more than Russ can. I mean, you know, that that's available. It's, and I agree with that. I agree with that. There is not a guy out there who will help the Denver Broncos win more in 2023. I agree. My thing would be to what end? To what end? Because I think Russell Wilson's better than Brett Rippon. I think he's better than whatever bargain bin quarterback you probably sign off the streets. Like I agree there, but okay, you're nine and eight, you know, instead of being three and fourteen. But if you were in three and fourteen, you would be in perfect position to draft your quarterback of the future, and you'd be set up really well for the next fifteen years. But at the cost of a kind of mediocre ten and seven, nine and eight season, which in my estimation, like best case scenario, you're like one and done in the playoffs. Um, at the cost of that season, you've maybe, or, or for that season, you've costed yourself maybe the future of your franchise. That's what it comes to for me is like, I, I do think Russ is the best option in the immediate short term. But I think when you look at the Broncos and some of it's not Russell Wilson related, right you believe in Russell Wilson I'm sure you think the offensive line needs some help I bet you think the wide receiver room could also probably use a little sprucing up the running back room which now only has Javante Williams off a devastating injury that only 30 percent of players ever fully recover from probably would want an insurance policy there uh the defense the defensive line is going to need some sprucing back up um cornerback room if you lose ronald darby you're gonna have to get some better depth there you're losing cream jackson so you will need better depth at safety uh you might be moving on from both your kicker and punter this offseason so special teams is going to be a priority yet again um that's a lot of holes with all those holes in mind and russell wilson maybe being more of a middling quarterback even with a bounce back season because uh, if he took a big step forward he would get back to like middling um I don't think a middling quarterback can lead that roster to a Super Bowl or to substantial playoff success. And so to me, it feels like, uh, again, what matters more to us, 2023 or 2024 and onward? Because I do think keeping Russ might be the best answer for 2023. I feel fairly confident in that. Not super confident. I think there might be some better options out there. Um, I I don't think keeping Russ is the better option for 2024, 2025, and so on. And if you're costing the future of the Denver Broncos for the 2023 season, that 2023 season better have Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah, 
I mean, we got Jordan believes Russ long-term answer here. Zach thinks we should move on just for the better sake of the long-term uh, this franchise. And I'm just kind of still sitting in between, not really too sure. We're really, interesting to, really interested to see how these last two games go because, you know, I know we still don't know who our new head coach is going to be, and we still have a, a devastating amount of injuries and most players in the IR in the league. But we still need to, you know, evaluate a little bit more on Russell Wilson, just his individual performance, because this Rams game definitely took it a lot, a big notch down uh, in my eyes. Um, So... You know, going on, uh, the, the guy all in charge of this, George Payton, how do you feel about, you know, assessing him in his time in the few years he's been here as the Broncos GM? Obviously, he's taken a little bit of a step down now, essentially. Um, but how would you grade his, uh, you know, um, performance as a GM so far in the moves that he's made? I think it's been a little subpar, honestly. Um now that we have the whole uh, data set to look at. I think the 2021 draft is pretty stellar. I do think passing up Justin Fields is a point to consider. The Broncos have Justin Fields. They have a pretty solid quarterback right now. Uh, There's some long-term viability questions with Justin Fields, but right now he's taking the NFL's least talented offense and making them uh, the sixth best offense in terms of EPA per play. Like that's, crazy that is if you want to talk about elevating the talent around you something that i don't think russell wilson is doing right now justin fields is undeniably doing that um now uh, will he progress into being like the type of um pocket passers some believe you need to win in the nfl i personally don't believe you need that to win and i think he can develop it there but it is an unproven question there's if you still think Patrick Sertan was the right pick, I think it's fine. I think it's uh, at least debatable at this point which way the Broncos should have gone. Uh, but overall, 2021 draft is stellar. 2022 draft has got some got some stinkers. Uh, you get Jake Martin for a sixth-round pick, immediately becomes a more valuable contributor to the defense than your highest-selected player in this year's draft. You sign number 52. My job is to cover this team. I do not remember the guy's name. He was some practice squatter. They promoted to the active roster this yeah. week. Number 52. Got as many snaps as Nick Benito. And we're at like the end of the season. Nick Benito has had seven, eight, eight months of development now. This guy was signed off the street in the past week. And the Broncos defense feels as comfortable playing this rando as they do play Nick Benito. Whoa, that's scary. Greg Dulcich, awesome pick. Damari Mathis, awesome pick. Uh, Uwazurike looked like a bad pick at the time. I think has proven to be a bad pick, taking a 25, 26-year-old rookie that is far from dominant in college is a really questionable strategy. The Montreal Washington pick was very questionable. I think it's, mm-hmm. uh, despite looking awesome in preseason and training camp, I think it's panned out to be pretty questionable. The Laren Turner yell, you could have drafted uh, a really good corner. You could have drafted Tariq Woolen with that pick, who's in the conversation for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Instead, you drafted a safety that, um, like we're talking about this team moving on from Kareem Jackson. I have yet to see a sole mention that DTY might get a bigger role on defense. And they're right to not mention him because it's, it shouldn't be considered uh, with what he showed this season. But the fact it's like, oh, yeah, that guy we just drafted, we're not even considering him as a part of our long-term future is a reflection of DTY. And then Wattenberg was always a traitsy long-term project pick, um, but he is a panned out. Um, Hennington's a good pick. That's the only, I think he had three good picks this year, but overall the 2022 draft is disappointing. 
Um, the free agent moves are very questionable. He hired one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. Peyton is the second guy since 1978 to be fired before the conclusion of his first season. Um, Hackett, rather, I might have said Peyton. Um, and then uh, the trade for Russell Wilson. Right now, and to Jordan's point, it could change next season. Um, but right now, as it stands, it's one of the worst trades in NFL history. Um, so I think it's hard to like a, a D plus C minus is where I'd go at now. Like not failing, but um, below average. Um, I wouldn't agree totally. Um, I do think that this draft class hasn't been that good. I think Nick Benito is more on the playing. I, I think I think he needs more, a little bit more playing time. I mean, he started off the season as a third string, you know, behind Browning, Cooper, uh, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb and all those guys because they they did trade Malik Reed out to try to get him more playing time and more reps and stuff like that. And, you know, I think with him it's going to be more just getting him in the game and getting him more snaps. Um, every other – yeah, every other pick in the draft, I it was kind of questionable. But I, I was leaning towards more of a B-minus type of thing for George Payton. I mean, he's come here and, I mean, he's done all the right things. They haven't really panned out. But I'll say as a general manager spot, I think he's done most of the right things. I mean, he's – I mean, the 2021 draft class for how good it was, I think that's why I gave him the high grade is what I do. I mean, Patrick Sertan, I mean, yeah, we could have gone fields and it probably would have worked out, but Patrick Sertan is arguably the best cornerback in the league. Javante Williams, when he's healthy, can be argued probably one of the top running backs in the league. I'm not going to go top five or anything like this crazy. But he's still one of the top running backs in the league. I mean – and I mean, no – Every other general manager who was in our position would have made that trade for Russell Wilson. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't panned out now, but a lot of guys would have traded for Russell Wilson. Given what the Broncos thought they were, you know, the talent they were, a quarterback away, a lot of guys would have made that trade for Russell Wilson. So, George Payton, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, that, that's inexcusable. So, but I, I give him a B minus. I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think he's been that bad and his moves have been that questionable. Yeah, it just feels like, um, like like Zach was saying, a lot of the moves that he's made, kind of the small moves. Uh, I know you know draft picks, whatnot. He's hit on you know a decent amount of draft picks. Um, he's a really good talent evaluator, um, and that's kind of what they've kind of demoted him in a sense to now. Um, what the big decisions are really what makes people you know question his future as a GM here, and that's ultimately why Greg Penner is kind of taking you know he's he's in charge of this now, especially in the, you know in the front office. Um, you know, obviously the trade for Russell Wilson, uh, the whole Fields PS2 thing is still a debate. Um, I still I still believe going in the direction of PS2 is the right pick. Um, you know, we could have a fair share of arguments there, but it it's a very fair assessment to say that the trade for Russell Wilson is well enough to override any of the decisions he's made because look like in hindsight right now, this is by far the worst trade in NFL history. We might, we might move on from this guy this off season and still watch the Seahawks, you know, use our draft picks to potentially develop great prospects right before our eyes. And obviously the 245 million plays a big fat, you know, factor into the, you know, making this one of the worst trades in, you know, history. Um, what, what they want to touch on, you know, Greg Penner, we've we've seen reports that the Walter Penn, uh, Penner, you know, ownership group was were the ones in charge of making that decision to um, extend Russell Wilson after they got here, after we traded for Russell Wilson. Um, I've seen different things on that. That begs me to think, you know, if they really they, obviously they said to the media that they think Russell Wilson's fixable, that can be kind of, you know, interchangeable. You know, we don't really know if that's really what they're, you know, just another lie to the fan base or, you know, the NFL media or whatnot. Um, we don't really 
I'm not too sure if they would move on from Russell Wilson, given the fact that they gave that extension. You know, maybe their opinion obviously could have changed after a 12 touchdown, nine interception season with like a three, you know, a three and ten record or whatever it is um, on his part. Um, yeah, I don't know if that changes it at all. What do you think about that, Zach? You know, I think if it was uh, a solely Penner or Walton Penner group contract, uh, the tenor of a lot of what we've seen, um, especially in that press conference, would have been different. Um, like you look at uh, on the fixable question, Penner didn't go, oh, yeah, well, here's why we think he's fixable. He went, why don't you tell him, George? You know, and he didn't say that, but he just, yeah, he just pulled back from the mic. And just stare George Payton down like, hey, hey, champ, why don't you fill him in on this one? Um, And that's pretty telling to me. I also think the reporting um, around uh, who is responsible for that extension, there's been varied reporting or conflicting reporting, Mm -hmm. I guess is the right way to put it. Um, So from what I know, I don't feel confident that it was only the Walton Penner group. Um, I think it was both. And I think, again, that's why we saw a lot of what we saw yesterday. A lot of the like quotes defending Russell Wilson came from George Payton, not the Walton Penner group. And then, of course, you had um, the slip up uh, where they go, Russell Wilson or whoever the quarterback are backups. You know, what was the, can you they, explain that a little bit? I'm confused. I'm a little confused by what was you know going on in that little like, you know, yeah, I, they are discussing every possibility. And as Broncos fans, that's what you should want. You should want them looking hard into every possibility. If they look into every possibility thoroughly and they are confident that Jordan's way is the right answer, that's preferable to just walking in and thinking, oh, no way are we cutting Russ. Uh-uh, nope, no thank you. And you know what? If these smart guys, if you are you know, still a Russell Wilson believer, I think most people that are still Russell Wilson believers are also George Payton believers. All right, if you're still a Russell Wilson believer, don't you trust George Payton to thoroughly look through this and go, hey, you know what? When I, when I came to this conversation, when I came to this problem, I thought the answer was definitely going to be keeping Russ. But now that I really look at, look at it and lay out all the numbers on the table, I think the Broncos best path is moving on. Um, so right now I think they're discussing every option. I think that slip up showed that every option is at least on the table and they're considering it, even though I think more likely than not, they still keep Russell Wilson. Um, but everything's being considered right now. I frankly didn't think everything would be considered this off season. Um, and so the fact that everything is being considered as a positive for Bronco country. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. All I got to say is we'll see. You know, I think that they will just kind of. I respect it. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll go through everything, you know. Ho- I'm, I'm glad they're going through everything thoroughly. But I think I think George Payton and those guys hopefully will figure it out. I just hope we don't run into another thing of Haggis situation to just hire some one-time guy because that was just <laughs> – that was just unbelievable. But I think – yeah, I think moving forward, I think keeping Russ and hopefully finding a new coach is the right decision, though. I'm going to stick with that. So, 
going ahead and off the episode final question what who who is your favorite head coach candidate who are you kind of like pounding the table for the broncos to um get i'm assuming you uh you said frank reich but if it was you know uh if it was other than you know frank reich jim harbaugh who would you kind of be looking at Oh yeah. Those are the top two. Shane Steichen would be the other one. And I could, I know I've already lost Jordan me as I'm talking about a first time guy. And I understand the, the desire to go away from that. It's failed the last three times. I think the last three times have a lot less to do with a general philosophy, like first time versus retread and a lot more to do with just hiring the wrong guys. You know, Mike McDaniel, first time guy awesome hire. Brian Dable, first-time guy, awesome hire. Kyle Shanahan, first-time guy, awesome hire. Sean McVay, first-time guy, awesome hire. Uh, and there's plenty of those on the retreads, you know, Pete Carroll, uh, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. Um, like there's plenty in both camps. Um, I just think uh, with, with Shane Steichen, he has shown such an ability to I am presented with this difficult problem. People are trying to stop Jalen Hurts in this way. How can I counter it? And the next week you'll see a couple, three plays mixed into their game plan that help combat that defensive tendency and helps keep the defense honest. And I think it's it's nothing revolutionary, but it's really clever. It's really flexible and it's really adaptive. And those are words that I think of when I think of a good head coach. I like it. I like it. So uh, that's going to be for today's episode. Zach, really, really uh, good conversation, honestly. Um, lots of Russell Wilson debating, you know, kind of approached it from all angles today, how the Broncos could let go of Russell Wilson. You know, everybody listening, that this is how you get rid of Russell Wilson and possibly what it could cost you in the long term, but also possibly how it could help you in the long term. Um, all this, all different perspectives, opinions here. Um, thanks for, uh, you know, coming on today, Zach. Seriously appreciate you, all your work that you do. Um, admire all your work. Uh, you know, keep, keep killing it, man. Thank you so much. And thank you both for the time. I love the, the back and forth and the good debating. And uh, yeah, really appreciate you both. Keep up the great work as well. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's going to be for today's episode. Um, if you guys aren't already, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe. If you're uh, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you uh, hit the follow button, leave a rating. If you guys enjoyed this episode with Zach Seegers, um, co-host of the Let's Talk Broncos podcast, make sure you guys go show them love. Seriously, great podcast over there talking all things Broncos. And they know they got lots of draft content coming up. Um, you know, looking forward to a lot of that. Um, uh, also go f- make sure to follow them on uh, Twitter at Let's Talk Broncos, Zach Seegers at, at Zach Seegers um, on Twitter. So make sure you guys uh, go show all the love. Um, make sure if you're listening to the Broncos Avenue podcast, you have notifications on so you never miss more of these exclusive interviews, special guests, uh, lots more to come on this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed, enjoyed today's episode. Until the next one, peace. <laughs>